Hi, Caleb. Hello, Mike. How are you doing this evening? I am doing very well this evening. How about yourself? <laughs> I, am, I am doing all right. Yeah, all righty. Yeah, it's just, you know, thoroughly all right. That's okay. What are you drinking? So tonight I am actually, I did not make a cocktail. I am drinking some Four Roses uh, single barrel bourbon. Uh, this is a, a barrel strength from uh, K&L, the local, one of the local um, liquor Purveyors. stores around here. Yeah, yeah. That's a great, it's a great, if you're in the Bay Area, it's a great, or in Southern California, it's a great store for wine and, and, and liquor. Um, anyways, this is one of their, they selected a barrel um, a year or two ago. Uh, this is a pretty good one. It's, uh, I mean, Four Roses, I love. It's very spicy. Um, it's an excellent bourbon. This one's pretty hot. It's like 57% alcohol, so I've, I've toned it down with a little bit of water. Um, and yeah, it's quite nice. I, um, I was a little lazy cause I had, I was actually drinking a half moon Bay, uh, brewery, uh, pumpkin beer, uh, earlier with, oh, with dinner. Um, so, you know, that doesn't really count as for the show, but, uh, for people who, who wanted, uh, beer reviews, um, I was drinking that it was, yeah, you know, it was a little cloying. Um, some of these pumpkin beers get a little crazy. Pumpkin um, spice time. Yeah, yeah, it was a little too pumpkin spice uh, than for my liking, but yeah, you know, it was it was good. And, and as a New Englander, I do autumn holds a uh, a special place in my heart. So pumpkins are are two thumbs up. Uh, how mm-hmm. about you? What are you drinking? Well, people might not believe me, but it is another week in the future. But I am drinking a martini again. Uh, I didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> except for I realized that my driver mouth always goes bad on me, and even though I got a small bottle this time, I want to utilize it to its fullest you have to you have to cycle that vermouth through. i know i i need to find another drink with with dry vermouth so next week i will have another dry vermouth drink but this week i am having another dirty martini um all right so i, I enjoy those so that's good that's good i always shudder when i see people keeping their vermouth like out on their bars like not in the refrigerator blasphemy. and keeping it for a long amount of time i mean that's that is a perishable you got to go through that uh you know if you have your vermouth more than long like a month or two you gotta you gotta get that out of there and keep it chilled yeah, I mean it's a it's a wine. What are you doing? Yeah. Anyways, this is our this this concludes our public service announcement for vermouth treatment. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's so many great details. Uh, so, yes. So this week, um, I had to take a break from last week. I was in in uh, Montana with family, and so uh, doing I did, some research on uh, superchargers. I right? was. Yeah, I found a supercharger out there in Bozeman, Montana, very close to the major highway, and uh, in a Holiday Inn, I think. Um, there were five or six <laughs> stalls and no people there. And a really was nice there a view. Hojo's as well? There, there was not. There were a couple of McDonald's and Taco Bell's and all that. So nothing, uh, nothing super interesting out there. But um, the solar power was pretty interesting. That was at my parents' house. Oh, oh OK. I got yeah. those confused. Yeah. But that was part of the supercharger. No, no, not not yet. Um, so we are back. But uh, so this week we sort of have a double header. Um, but uh, hopefully it won't be as long as a baseball game. Um, <laughs> we have uh, we drove a leaf and yes. we also wanted to talk about some of the new details about Model 3 that have come out as a result of a bunch of documents and some um, some folks who have got, taken delivery of their Model 3s and brought cameras with them and video cameras to uh, document it. So those will be the two major topics. So a little a little different than normal. So <laughs> it's a it's a potluck episode. It is. So why were we driving a leaf? Are you asking me or are you, are you, is that you're asking yourself rhetorically? No, it's for you. Okay. Real question. Um, so we, yeah, we, we, uh, we borrowed a, a Nissan Leaf, um, out of, uh, to drive maybe, what was it like 12 miles? I think. So we were going from the peninsula where we are here in Silicon Valley 
over to East Bay to the Tesla factory in Fremont, yeah. uh, where we are now uh, apparently locking frequent flyer miles. I know we're regulars there now. We had, <laughs> yes. we had a reason to be there. We had a factory tour. We did we, with the same tour person again. I've, I've been on like what, three or four tours now. Yeah. And it's been with the same person each time. I think um, there's only two or three tour guides. So, but, yeah, but, but still it's flipping heads. Snake eyes every time for me. Wait, <laughs> is that good or bad? I, I'm not a craps person. I I'm not sure. If, I, think I don't it mean depends. To, it depends on when you roll. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I, well, I mean, I don't mean to, uh, to, to say that, that it's, uh, disappointing that we keep getting the same person. I mean, it'd be like that. on the jungle cruise ride and you have the same tour boat person every time you want some right. variety. Yeah. It's not to say whether or not this person is good or bad. It's just, I want to like get someone else, um, yes. you know, cause change is good, I guess. Um, here in progressive California, we like change. Um, <laughs> no, but anyways, yeah, we got to, we got a, a tour of, of, of the factory again. And it's, it's really fascinating to see, uh, the progression as, as new things are happening, which we'll get into, but yeah, yeah, we, we, we got the Nissan Leaf, drove it, uh, the 12 or so miles over to the factory and then back again. And yeah. it was, uh, a bit of an adventure. Yeah. So what was the year of it? A 2011 was it? I think or? it was a 2011. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was like six years old at this point. And so this vehicle had just around 50, just shy of 50,000 miles on it and uh, is used as a fleet vehicle, you know, for people just sort of taking it out for rental kind of stuff. So not a personal vehicle being babied. Um, so you picked it up and it started with around 90 miles estimated no. range? No, what no, was, no. 59. That's okay. The 59 estimated and you were driving to pick me up and I guess missed an exit or something and were... Well, I didn't miss the exit. I deliberately... So I was coming over from Mountain View to Palo Alto to pick you up and I, I deliberately took... Which is just a few miles, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Only it's like three, three miles. Three or four miles, yeah. And I, I went like a half a mile out of my way just to go down by the Palo Alto airport and the, the, the sort of uh, wildlife Safe preserve. Cause, yeah. Well, because there's some empty streets and I got to play around a little bit with the car. Nothing too crazy. So what did what, what were your impressions playing around with it? I mean, my impressions are, are similar to the Bolt where it's just like peppier than I would expect, like kind of the corolla civic kind of like the kind of cars i would expect it to or rental cars that i would take out like maybe like a chevy cruise or or all of those kind of like it's a kind of an economy car right, right it's like yeah. a, a commuter car and it just feels a little peppier than that part of it is is it's just a little more responsive off of the uh off from a stop uh and part of it is also it feels like it handles a little better probably because of the weight of the battery um, the Nissan Leaf was definitely not as fun as the Bolt. I, I liked the Bolt, the Bolt with a B, the Bravo, a lot more um, yes. because the the Bolt with a B, Bravo, uh, was actually like a proper fun vehicle to drive. Whereas the Leaf like was a little peppy off the line, but then once it got up to like thirty, it was like, oh my god, what are we doing? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I'm out, I'm out. This is it. <laughs> this is as far as I go. I got exasperated. Yeah, yeah, and then it was just kind of really kind of slow and and sluggish after that um but anyways yeah long story short i drove the let's say i, I went from three to like maybe i bumped up to four miles uh when i went to pick you up and then we then 
made the 12, I think it was 12. Well, what was the range when you got to me? Because I remember that being strange. I got into the vehicle and I had seen a screenshot you had sent me and then the range was drastically lower, not yeah, four miles lower. It? I was down to like 40 or something. I think you were it? at like 37 or something. Oh man. Yeah, it was crazy because I wasn't really paying attention for that first part because, you know, I saw 59 miles. I'm like, oh man, we're only going like 25. This will be totally fine. And so I started driving and then it was only after we pick after I picked you up and then you drove for a while that I was actually paying attention to the controls and it was like it was just non-linear it was like we were driving and we were going like for every quarter mile it was dropping a mile or two miles or three miles like the, the numbers were just completely disconnected from reality yes <laughs> and so like even at that point I was starting to get anxious because I'm starting to do math in my head like wait a minute like we just went four miles and it knocked off 12 miles of range um I don't think we're going to make it back. Yeah. And I got in and started driving it and... And we uh, weren't driving crazy, That's too. the thing. We we were going reasonable speeds. This was, um, you know, middle of the day, but around here, the middle of the day, people start taking off work. So we were only going 55 to 65 miles an hour on the highway. We were not going 80 and I was in the right-hand lane. <laughs> and it was completely flat. This is, a, this is on the peninsula yeah, here. It was, like no 75, it was like 75 degrees. So it was like nice. We had the air conditioning on, but it said it was only going to take two miles of rated range. So oh, yeah, we, we can get into that later. Yeah. But. So anyways, <laughs> we, we, the driving of it was fine. Pretty good visibility. But the visibility was much better than I thought. Yeah, it was It was definitely solid. Um, it had a nice little window in the A pillar uh, up front. Um, let's see. It had cloth seats. So it's every time I get in a vehicle with cloth seats, I just have a bias <laughs> against cloth seats. I, they just, especially this color, it was sort of a grayish taupe, which I don't know, it just sort of felt dated and not <laughs> premium so compared to the bolt which had the faux leatherette or maybe it was real leather but either way um i definitely felt like the bolt was more solid and to your point had more oomph all the way through the power curve so the bolt i mean i, I like wholeheartedly like recommend the bolt the bolt was just fun to drive it was it was a, just a fun car it had some quirks and some, we had some complaints about it but ultimately i i liked the bolt yes and all, I mean, at the end of all of testing, the, I mean, we, I looked in the back seat and whatever. We didn't do a, a super thorough review. The thing that we came away with and the reason we, need, we felt like we had to talk about it was the amount of range that was peeling off of this thing as we were going was <laughs> insane. And the, 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 this isn't even necessarily a ding on the, on the, on the leaf, just that... I now, for once, actually understand what it would mean to have range anxiety. But we'll get oh to that. So, 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 Acute range anxiety. So yeah. even on the way over there, when we, we've got... And it was fully charged when you picked it up. So this thing has definitely been beaten. Like the, the, the range yeah. of it had been pulled down pretty heavily over the 50,000 miles. No doubt. So we're driving across the bay and noticing everything is dropping pretty precipitously. And we're looking for views to like see the actual battery... And we just keep cycling through and we find all these esoteric, strange views. But all we end up with is <laughs> what our range is. And then we turn off the air conditioning and then it says, well, turn the air conditioning back on for negative miles, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, wait, who yeah. would want to do that? Well, who even understands that? I mean, like, that's like engineers understand that adding negative miles means you're subtracting. You're going to have less mileage. But I, 
I don't think that any like normal consumer would say like shut off climate control for especially when we got down to for an like, additional negative two miles. Like it yeah. didn't. It just it it wasn't even that. Yes, turning on air conditioning will deplete your range. It was that they didn't take the time to reword the UI to put it in the frame of. If you turn on air conditioning, you'll lose two miles of range. It was right. get an additional negative two. It's a double negative. It was it was so strange. Well, and it's not obvious that it's a negative two, right? That could just be a, a dash, graf- a right, graphic yeah. element yeah. that says like you know turn on climate control for dash one more two. mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like that that was that was terrible, and especially when we got down to when we had I think it came on when we had like four or five miles left. I'm oh man, not, not to skip too far ahead, but but yeah, at that point, like why would you be showing that at all? Like why would anyone who has four miles of range and is going sixty miles an hour in their vehicle want to turn it on to lose an extra mile? of range that doesn't make any sense so we get to the tesla factory and we're (laughs) looking for parking and we're like oh we're at an electric car company factory where good sir shall we plug in our leaf (laughs) where Hmm. is the standard where is the plug where is the plug for all the electricity that all of these teslas use we walk in, we park it, and we can't find anything. And we, we, I'm, I say, I, I don't think they have any. I think they're all just <laughs> Tesla charging. You're like, no, that can't be the case. So then we go inside and we check in and we say, hmm, uh, we brought a leaf. Is there um, any place we can charge us? Like, no, sorry, we only have Tesla chargers. <laughs> so I now felt like <laughs> a second, point, second class citizen. Like, yeah, yeah. And we had what, 15, I think, miles of range at that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had 15 when we arrived and 13 when we left. So two just disappeared <laughs> while sitting there, which made no sense also. Meanwhile, we, we, used, the, uh, we used allegedly 47 miles of range to, to go, go 13, to go, 12 yeah. miles. Yeah. So, so yeah, the math was saying we were not going to make it home. Yeah, basically we would be in negative 10 or 15 miles. So anyways, we were very concerned, but we went on the tour and we can't say much about the tour because they reiterate that you're always under NDA. Um, but I we would can say, say that we saw we saw more than just S's and X's being assembled. We saw more um, than we had ever seen before. There was a lot more activity um, and there are parts of the factory that are lit up um, doing stuff now so stuff is happening and we saw a couple model threes on the outside uh, in the public areas um when we were leaving and parked and so they're definitely around and i think anyone who's listening is seeing that there's many of them around so it's not even that special to see to see them anymore but um (laughs) they were spray painting the parking lot too with new tesla logos and red parking spots which we, we i guess are for deliveries of new model threes coming in yeah so we did the tour that was very cool um and then we go out to the leaf and we're like this is we have to find oh and we were coming in one thing actually we can say publicly is when we were coming in there was a big traffic jam coming into the factory and i hadn't seen this before and we looking we're looking forward and like what is going on this is so strange we're trying to turn the factory why is there all this traffic and then we see this whole line of tractor trailers um and they're the tractor trailers that normally have cars on them car carrier ones and what we notice is they're backed up all the way uh this road that goes into the factory to back straight behind the factory where they stage all the vehicles for pickup and there were just dozens and dozens of these semi tractor trailers ready to pick up vehicles so many in fact that they were spewing out into the public road um causing a traffic jam so they were certainly uh prepping to do a lot of deliveries of a lot of vehicles so 
we got around those and it felt like we were kind of cheating the system, but we were taking a right and those were going straight. So we <laughs> kind of uh, safely got around those. But um, Well, it did cost us like seven miles of range. Some, something like that. Something ridiculous. <laughs> so we get in the vehicle and we're like, where are we going to charge this thing? So then uh, we try the map on the Leaf to see well, what would happen if you're oh, an the, owner. The car wings. Car wings. Yes. Yeah. So this <laughs> button, dedicated button, car wings. And we, we search for some charging and none of it was fast charging except for maybe one nissan dealership but it was very far away we weren't even sure we were going to make it no so then i remembered oh there's a new bart station which is our uh, semi-fast public transportation um train system (laughs) and uh, they just opened a station across from tesla and i remember hearing that they were putting in a lot of uh, public chargers over there and so it's half a mile away from the tesla deal uh, tesla factory so well let's go try that so we zip over there and we pull in and there's probably 20, 30 different uh, plugs and they're all um, charge point plugs. And there it's was free. a BMW i8 charging, right? There was there. an i8. There were a lot of i3s. There were a lot of Leafs. There are some Teslas charging. So a lot of electric vehicles charging there. So that's a really nice service. And we pull up and then we realize, oh no, it's only three. It's only, it says it's six kilowatts uh, charging, but it, it was only, the Leaf was only charging at three kilowatts per hour. <laughs> So we got, we waited for 20 minutes and we got one kilowatt, which basically, I think we ticked up one mile of rated range from 13 to 14 or something. With no climate control, we had the windows down, we were sitting in the sun, just like, it was just unpleasant. We were, at first we were trying to like, okay, well, we'll use this time to like look around the interior and evaluate the car. And, you know, after like 10 minutes, I was like, oh God, this, this is terrible. And we, for the first 10 or 15 minutes, nothing changed. We bar- we also barely could tell if it was charging. Yeah. The, the, when we plugged it in, almost nothing changed. Yeah. Like there's some little indicators on the windshield to indicate it, but we really had to rely on the charging station to tell us how much rain how how many kilowatts it had put in and this was one of my biggest challenges is like you're charging and you want to have confidence about what's happening and what's going on with the battery and the leaf really didn't inspire confidence in me at least that uh, I understood how much battery charge we had left, how much had been added, how much time it really would take. I think it was saying it was going to take four or five hours to charge. <laughs> and this is a, this is a level two charger. This isn't just like, you know, plugging into your wall. Right. This is a public level two charger that should be pretty quick. And I felt like it was woefully underpowered. And I still don't, I mean, I think, I think the leaf for some reason wasn't fully able to accept all the power, but for some reason it just was not very quick at all. It was not like 20 miles an hour of range. This was going to be three or four miles per hour. It was ridiculously (laughs) slow. Yeah. And it was completely non-obvious. Like you say, like what was going on? Like we had no idea what was happening. We, we fished out the manuals and, and yeah, we had the manuals pulled out. I was looking at everything. Britannica. There were like multiple volumes, like all these, like they were the size of paperback novels and we're trying to flip through and figure out what is going on here. Right. Cause we also don't want to push the wrong button and like delay the charge or stop something like one of, you know, if you push a button that you don't know what it does in a car, obviously if you've owned the car for a while, you get to know it and so it's this is less of an attack on the on the leaf and just more of the challenges for many electric cars as they exist today that we we were in a leaf which is i think one of the most popular electric cars it may be the the most popular car it's certainly popular out here in in silicon valley yeah and 
we it's five six years old so it's definitely on the uh, a little older but not not super old at 50,000 miles it's still less than 10,000 miles per year but you understand now why if you only have 40 or 50 or 60 miles of range it is harrowing to <laughs> imagine using that like we had to stop we I think we probably may have been able to make it, but not based on the range it was telling us and what right. it had done before. And that's the that was the problem is we we had seen it go from 37 miles down to like 13 on our one way trip. So what are we <laughs> to think that, oh, you, you've we're definitely going to trust that you're going to have more range for us. Like I couldn't yeah. even find a screen that would have the stated actual amount of battery charge. Like it, it was very very annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not like, you know, your car is kind of getting steadily warmer and you might overheat and you need to pull over and wait for it to calm, like cool down. You actually can't just pull over and wait for your car to recharge. You have to actually plot a route to an available charger. So it's, you know, getting down to, it's like one of the things that really struck me about the range anxiety is that it's not a matter of how far can you get before you're at zero. It's like, once you start getting down below like 20 or 15, then you really have to start thinking of where can I now change my route to get to somewhere where I can charge? Because that could be, I mean, maybe another like, I guess around here, maybe another like five or miles or so, but anywhere else it might be even further. And yeah. And you might have to be crazy. there for an hour, two hours to get yeah. enough to keep, to go where you need to. I remember thinking when we came out, we might, I was planning on going back and, you know, it'd take 30 or 45 minutes to get home. I was planning, it might take a couple hours for us to get home or we <laughs> might get stranded and have to call for AAA or something. I mean, Thoughts I haven't thought about in, I don't, I mean, since I was a kid imagining possibly being stranded. I mean, it, it was very, very stressful and driving back, we, so we left the, uh, the charging frustrated that we only got one mile cause we weren't going to stay there for a whole hour. So what we decided to do was we'll just plot some more chargers every couple <laughs> miles on our route home that in the event that we really get down to the wire, we're going to pull off and abort and go to one of those chargers and charge there. Um, yeah. And we had technically enough miles to get back to where we wanted to go, but we had no confidence that the number of miles it was telling us were going to be the number of miles we got out of it. Right. Exactly. So it was, it was, it told us that we would be fine, but the confidence and the predictions from the past were wildly optimistic. So we kept going, we got on the highway and started going and it was dropping slower but still faster than the actual amount of miles we were going so we were a moderate traffic hazard too because we were in the far right we lane, were going 55 going 55 miles an hour which was like 10 or 15 miles below the speed limit I, I mean there were people passing on us and then i also remember feeling like well this is why leafs drive so slowly i mean they must always be <laughs> in this mode of oh my god i'm out i'm running low so we were going slowly and you were driving and i was both on the map and also on the map with charge point to make sure, okay, if we're going to exit, we need to exit now. And we'd be like, no, <laughs> we're going to keep going. So then we keep going and we're like, okay, the next one's in two miles. Every exit was like a go, no, go situation. Go, no, go. <laughs> Mike, are we exiting? Go, go, go. So we kept going. And I remember Mind getting Mind you, we're sweating too. We're sweating. Yeah, we had we, the AC off. But we didn't want to roll down the windows too much because that would affect our aerodynamics. Right. So, so we were just, in a hot box, <laughs> the two of us, yeah. in the sun at four 
four o'clock, five o'clock. So <laughs> peak sun, peak glare, going 55 miles an hour on 85 or whatever, and um, starting to come in the rush hour. And so we, you know, we, st- we get closer and closer, and then the low battery warning comes on around five or six miles. And, yeah. and got- mind you, the, the little announcement is still on there. It says you have four miles range. <laughs> Turn on climate control for an additional negative one miles. It's like, ah, what are you doing to me? So then we had, I think, five or six miles left and we had four miles to go. (laughs) So this now was, okay, we've got two miles of buffer if this is accurate. (laughs) And I remember feeling extremely stressed. Oh, yeah, I was white knuckling on the steering wheel. I was just squeezing that steering wheel. And then I got us a slight wrong turn by exiting and then reentering the highway because the mapping app took us i don't know what i don't know exactly what happened but mistakes were made <laughs> and we possibly lost a teeny bit of range um and i think we ended up we we were feeling confident we we're gonna make it because it's it, sl- it seemed like there was one point where it went up the range went up yeah and that's when we really keyed in on oh this thing is just averaging some amount of time and being very aggressive in the beginning and and just sort of having a really bad, in our opinion, algorithm for deciding what to show for the range. And I think the, so we ended up, we ended up getting, we ended up with maybe two or three miles when we parked it and plugged it in. So we got it as and close. And kicked it and yelled at it. As close as we felt comfortable, we plugged it in. But um, we were, we were making decisions like, you know, oh, the last couple of miles are flat. So, you know, we could push it if we had to, or we could just leave it and walk. Yeah, it it was, we were starting to come up with a lot of different scenarios. And so, uh, number one, we took it out with what seemed like 60 miles of range. We actually only, we actually used 47 miles just about. And so it was off by 12 miles. Now, the problem is that's 20%, which is quite a lot, one fifth wrong. Yeah. But the distribution of its wrongness is really the problem in my mind. The fact that it went down so much so early made us so afraid of its capabilities of telling us how much range it had and the lack of an actual amount of kilowatt indicator to to allow us to say, well, this car actually uses on average 150, 200 kilowatts per hour, so we can know like it's or sorry watts per hour that it's going to be okay or watts per mile yeah like if it told us like it had 80 percent battery and we got to 40 percent when we got to the factory then we would know we used half of it regardless of whatever the mile estimate was and i think that's that was a big problem and also something that you shouldn't have to do you shouldn't have to use two calculations of your distance plus the actual battery you know, state of charge, the, the rated range should be there. And I do think Tesla does a better job of this. Every time I've driven Tesla, it's been within a few miles of the actual amount of range and uh, has been more consistent in its um, depletion. I think it takes more factors into to account, like wind speed, like when you use the maps, it actually knows what kind of highway you're going to be on and what the elevation changes are so yeah that's the other thing we had put the destination into the leafs like mapping system so it knew where we were going it knew what kind of roads we'd be driving on and what speeds we'd be going so obviously more battery capacity will solve this because it's just not as big of a problem but 
experiencing this with so little battery made me very uncomfortable about having less range at all and ever getting below 20 miles seems really dangerous and risky well, and especially not a feeling i want to repeat yeah and especially if you're driving somewhere where it's it, you're not just like you know on a country road where you could just pull over and look at the scenery for a little while like you're you know we're on highways and freeways and in a commuting area with like you know tens of thousands of other vehicles it's you know it's kind of harrowing so I have a lot of respect for anyone who has a Nissan Leaf uh, because <laughs> Look, you, we went- you make it, I don't know how you make it work. It, it was a lot of work to manage it. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't, we didn't go that far. It's not like no. we were going on a road trip. We were just going across the bay. What the map said was 13 miles away. Yeah. We went so, Palo Alto to Fremont. If you want to map it in Google maps and see what it is, we just did a little loop around the bottom of the bay and it's all flat and it should be the easiest possible electric car drive you could ever do. So I think the problem is if you experience this, or if you know someone who experienced this, it's not something you would want your friends to have to experience and something that every time i've driven a tesla i've never felt and so i really have an even deeper more uh empathetic appreciation for how crossing 200 miles or 300 miles of range really is a totally different experience and i had just never felt this before i'd never felt so anxious i'd never gotten my (laughs) gas tank so low that i felt this way oh well i've done that but well even if i felt like i could I know I can call someone for some gasoline in a, in a jerry can and yeah. you're on your way. I mean, worst case scenario, you could just walk to the nearest gas station. There's going to be one somewhere. Around. Right. So yeah. I don't know. It was definitely, I'll say this. I do not want to drive another Nissan Leaf <laughs> no. of that vintage uh, any, any time. There's just nothing you could do. And, and that I think is the thing. There is nothing about the interior that matters more. There's nothing about the visibility, the pep of the car, the look of the car. None of that matters. The primary concern is that that car does not go far enough to do normal stuff for me at that level of usage. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of impressive that we, we went this far into a uh, scathing Nissan Leaf review and didn't talk about its appearance. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it it does, is not an important factor, actually. Yeah. And if you have a brand new one or you're getting the one that's coming out uh, in the next couple months, it'll have 150 miles of range. Great. That's fine. But again, I think this is less about the Nissan Leaf and more about why so many people are legitimately concerned about range. And when they think about a Tesla, they would imagine it's going to be like potentially what they've heard with other people who have these shorter range electric cars. Yeah. And if you had that as your first experience, I think you would be very nervous about electric cars. <laughs> I would be. I, I really thought like the, the, the look and the feel of the vehicle was going to be the bigger problem. Cause I thought we would, especially when I saw 59 miles of range, I figured, you know, that's not going to be a problem. And we'll ta- end up talking about, I can expand on my, uh, my, my theory about how its appearance is, is similar to email spammers, um, which is what was my pet theory about the Nissan Leaf for a while. Um, but it didn't even come to that. No, we didn't. I guess I should explain that. (laughs) So my my theory about how the Nissan Leaf is so, I mean, ridiculous looking and ugly is that um, I forget. Was it in Freakonomics? Uh, Maybe it was in Freakonomics. Yeah, I think so. They talk about spammers. They talk about the Nigerian email spams and how the like you look at these email spams about this prince in Nigeria who needs your bank number and it's riddled with typos and it's just so obviously a scam. Like, how can anyone fall for this? That 
that's deliberate for them because every every false positive where people respond and they end up like you know talking to the person for a while and it they don't end up falling that they're not gullible enough that that's a, a a downside for them so they like it's deliberately awful from the beginning to weed out all but the most gullible people <laughs> and i feel like the nissan leaf is kind of like it's so deliberately awful and ugly looking and weird that it at the beginning weeds out anyone but the most enthusiastic electric car people and mm. and that way you're getting a lot less like casual electric car people who might then start you know complaining about things like this awful range anxiety we've been experiencing and you're probably down to people who are so into it or so like you know hemmed in by their sunk costs and their identity for being electric car people that they're going to just deal with it that's my, that's my theory that's fair <laughs> I haven't heard that theory, the sort of just, it is self-selecting and extreme in a characteristic that most people find off-putting so that the people who do want to put up with it have to defend it. Right, right. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're weeding all of the, like, maybes out at the beginning, and you've just yeah. got the most hardcore supporters getting it. That's my, I don't know, maybe, and you know what, maybe the range anxiety thing actually reinforces that. I mean, I feel accomplished now having done it but i don't want to do it again maybe i've got, other people, I've got too many extra gray hairs from that experience and i, I you know yeah don't yeah. don't have too many to go around um <laughs> so all right so we'll put a pin in the nissan leaf i the car itself was fine as a car but not as a vehicle to drive around long distances or even medium distances so yeah i guess the whole point's moot since they're the next one's going to be new so this i guess this is just a useful review for anyone who might be considering purchasing a used right a used, used one yeah do and they're very cheap that. they're very cheap and i think the market is accurately pricing their value um, yeah yeah i mean well if you're in a situation where you do only have like a you know 10 mile commute and you only want to go from point a to point b and back again then it you know maybe it's a good investment and it's a, you can save some money uh, by sort of arbitraging your anxiety for uh your stability of your commute i don't know but yeah it, i would not get one yeah, I would be very afraid to recommend one um, in its current state. Okay. Get a bolt. Yeah. Um, my parents have. They like it. Um, Model 3. So we've got a few things that have come out very recently that we want. I wanted, we won't cover everything in them, but some of the things that stuck out to us. So we have a new key card, an app key document that came out because anytime, uh, luckily in the United States, anytime you build anything commercially for that uses radios, you have to submit, uh, you know, documents to the FCC for approval for sale. And so Tesla had to do that. And they submitted a few pages from the user manual as evidence for how the keys work and the Bluetooth and the RFID work. We have a new first responders document. So for uh, the brave folks who come out and help in the case of accidents and crashes uh, to rescue people. Um, they have documents for every vehicle that manufacturers put out to help those folks learn how to safely extricate people from those vehicles and, and uh, help them in the case of an emergency. And then we had a couple videos of owners who've recently taken delivery. And uh, strangely, some of those videos have been <laughs> taken down and taken down repeatedly. So we'll get into that. And there has just been a recent iOS app update for the Tesla app that supports Model 3. So we can talk a little bit about what's in there. So without further ado, um, <laughs> the first thing, uh, my, my hobby horse, 
there was a very nice image of a white Model 3 with a white interior in the, the very first image of the Model 3 in the first responder guide. Yeah. And uh, the dash material is white as well instead of that open pore wood. So hmm. makes me even more. I mean, we've seen some white RCs running around. Uh, I'm very excited about the white interior. And I think to show off a white interior in a public document like this um, certainly signals that it's coming. <laughs> so I can't I wait for it. Yeah, the white interior looks good. I like the white seats, the white trim. Um, I I, pr I probably would prefer the wood dashboard. I like the look of the mm. wood dashboard. One thing that's, I don't want to go too Adrian Monk here, but I really wish looking at the front of it, they've got the big circle for the tow hook and then where the, yeah. the hole goes. I, I kind of wish they would put some sort of other one to balance it out on the other side, even if it's a false one, <laughs> just to give it yeah, some, symmetry. some symmetry. Yeah, yeah, it just it looks a little off balance. But the yeah. other thing, yeah, the other thing this one has is a red calipers, which the oh, brake yeah. calipers, which the production cars do not have. So this may be a portention for the uh, support package. Um, oh, okay. For do performance, do you think the white interior is going to be a sports thing? Or I don't think so, but I think they'll probably they may. I hope the white comes out sooner. They've said the white will come out in the fall, and the premium uh, like performance stuff will come out later so it looks i think nice. this may just be one of their favorite renders um, uh, yeah it, it looks good and has kind of a arctic thunder look to it one of the other little details i noticed is that in the uh, one of the photos for the interior on the screen they show reflection of the seats <laughs> reflecting in the in this thing which i just thought was kind of clever yeah except they're gray yeah it's they're black yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're not the white seats no they got a little bit of a problem there so yeah i don't think that's possible um Okay, so moving on from that, airbags. We now have more detail on the airbags. So from the spec sheet from the press releases of the Model 3, we knew there'd be six front row and, and two side curtain airbags, so eight total. Uh, that's the same number as in the S, um, so that's great. But now we have more detail on the placement. So going through it, there's one in the steering wheel. There's one airbag in the dash for the passenger. There are two knee airbags, one for both the passenger and the driver. And then there are seat-mounted side airbags, and I didn't know about those. And then there's one, one for each driver and passenger in each respective seat. And then there are two side curtain airbags, and those curtain airbags go from the front all the way to the rear passenger. So um, for me, it was interesting. A, knee ear airbags I didn't really know about. Um, I don't think I have a car that has knee airbags. And having side curtain airbags, I always thought those were in the B pillars. Uh, but to find out that they've got them in seats is kind of intriguing as well. Yeah, my, my, I think my Volkswagen has it in the seats. There's a little tag on the seat that says mm. like airbags in there, um, which is, you know, just to say that if it's in my like 10 year old yeah. cheap, cheap rabbit, they're probably not that crazy. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your, your BMW must have had all of that. Uh, it must have. I never really looked into it. But um, anyways, it seems uh, like a solid amount of airbags relative to the other vehicles they've made. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to allow them to actually hit that five star crash safety rating that they're hoping to do yeah it's um, probably the one area where the teslas do not have to prove themselves right they have a pretty well established reputation for being very safe vehicles so they just need to maintain that yeah exactly um one of the other little details that caught my eye was i remember there's a story going around a couple months ago about people starting to freak out that the frunks the front trunks on model s's and x's were not secure and then it was sort of this clickbaity thing where it's like well don't put anything, you know, uh, anything very precious in your front trunk because did you know you can actually open it from the exterior? <gasps> Clickbait uh, click on the internet, Caleb? I know. If I can't put my gold Krugerrands in my trunk, where can I put them? 
you won't guess what happened next. Oh, um, I won't so apparently, it. apparently it was just a manual release to open them. And now in the Model 3, it takes a little bit more. It takes a 12-volt battery. Um, so actually, in the little tow hole um, uh, in the front fascia, there will be little wires that you can pull out. And you as a first responder can connect a 12-volt battery to it, and that will pop the frunk, which is what you need to then cut one of the loops for the high-voltage system. So that seems kind of elaborate. Yeah. And that seemed a little elaborate and um, makes me think that uh, interesting that they've now moved to this electric system instead of a manual release. And wouldn't Um, the first responders just use those like giant hydraulic jaws of life, just rip it open? Like, why would they they bother like connecting a battery? It might just be if in case it's not a super crazy emergency to get someone in, because they also have a way in the back that you can. Uh, break the back window and saw through the electrical cord um oh that sounds dangerous yeah they have they have a lot of warnings but um apparently you can (laughs) uh, can do that as well so um again if you're using your front trunk you don't want to store your precious diamonds and gold in there um or it sounds like you do because then it takes a lot of effort to open that well it's still less i mean it's still possible i mean you'd have oh so a thief could just like pop that open and use a 12-volt battery to open it Uh, yeah yeah they could just towed a 12 volt battery with them gotcha. gotcha so if you see anyone with a 12 volt battery hanging around a, a model three um you might be a little you might want to call someone um so the keys so we have much more detail on the keys because of this uh, are we calling filing. them keys well that's what tesla calls them they okay. they say they, there are two keys um there is one key that is a key card and one key is your smartphone so you will get two key cards when you buy your Model 3. Not three, not one, but two. <laughs> two seems fine. I think most cars come with two fobs, right? Uh, yeah, ours did. Well, two and a valet key. Ooh, okay. Well, this only comes with two. But both are expected to be for the valet. I think that's going to be weird, though, because valets usually have little hooks for keys, and I don't know where they're going to put these key cards. Um, but I was under the impression this was going to be an NFC card uh, based on many of the discussions that had come out and apparently it's rfid and rfid is even more passive and shorter range and cheaper so that also precludes your iphone iphone or your apple watch from being a key because those devices or android have nfc but they do not have rfid wait but does does the fact that the key cards they're giving you, given that they're RFIDs, does that mean that it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't also accept NFC? So it doesn't. Sh- it doesn't because the FCC documents did not have NFC radios in them. Oh, okay. The, the smartphones use Bluetooth low energy. So, oh, all right. So the RFID card works as uh, such. You unlock it um, right around the, uh, the, the side-facing cameras on the B pillar. So you tap it there. It has a two to three inch range as indicated in the uh, manual. So is it using face ID to authenticate? It is not. No face camera. No, 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 not yet. Hmm. So it's just, (laughs) it's just the key and you tap it. And so you may end up scratching the glass. Uh, Hopefully not. So hopefully you don't have a really sandy key, but you tap it and then it should unlock and it will flash the lights and the doors will unlock. 
And new detail, you have 15 seconds to get in and press the brake pedal to activate the car. Oh, God. Now it's, it's like your home security system. It's like the anxiety of the beeping thing. It won't be, but you have 15 seconds. And then if you don't do that, then you have to put the key card on the back part of the cup holder. Like and where that the will, USB holes are? No, no, no. Not that far back. So you've got the cup holders in the front and right where that little leather like lift oh, thing like is in the cup holder but on the back side of it is yeah not in the cup holder but on the little ledge between the cup holder and the leather lifty thing okay um you place it there and it will ding and then you can push the brake pedal to activate it what so do you it, think the logic between making a 15 second limit when someone has presented the key like why why create that sort of time anxiety i think it has to, i think they had to pick some amount of time to lock you out from getting the car but going. why if you unlock your car with a key there's no there's no time limit and you know you could be carrying stuff or dealing with like children that are running around like that seems odd i don't know because then when you do it again you have another 15 seconds so 15 seconds seems to be the cycle that they're allowing for the for the card yeah i guess i'm just wondering why there's a time limit at all yeah seems, i mean it maybe, seems kind of strange like you it's not something like about someone being under duress maybe i don't know Huh. That seems pretty extreme, but yeah. maybe if you're being carjacked, like <laughs> someone gets really optimizing keys. for an edge case. There, I'm not but. sure. I'm not sure. I would be curious if anyone has theories on really like painting a logical picture for why even because why can't you just do it for a minute? Like even right. if you have some time out, right, where you accidentally brush against a car for some crazy reason and you're not going to go in and you don't want someone else to take it because... When you then brush the key against it again, it will lock. So obviously if it's locked, then you shouldn't let the car go. So it really is only on the entrance flow that you would need to have a longer period. But Well, the good news is this is the kind of software stuff that they can fix in post, so to speak. Right. Um, Also, I noticed they said the walk away to lock and walk up to unlock do not work with the key card. So this, I think, is going to cause some problems because... If you unlock it with your key card, uh, like once in a while, your muscle memory will not be to lock the vehicle when you leave. Your muscle memory will be, well, the car locks itself. So you'll walk away with your car unlocked. It sounds like they've implemented all of the annoyances of the clipper card system here. (laughs) Yes, tag on and tag off. (laughs) But sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Uh, Sorry, this is the the commuter train that runs up and down Silicon Valley here has a really, really confusing and annoying RFID card. RFID system, yeah, where you have to tag on the first of the month and not on other days. And if you don't tag off, you get charged the maximum. And it's a constant source of, of problems for people. And ways to get away with uh, riding the train for free, but possibly getting a ticket. Um, so it's like they've, they've, ext- they've brought this little like annoyance of Silicon Valley and extracted it to the entire country, the world. But here's what I don't, I don't know, again, why couldn't it lock when you are using the RFID card? Yeah, like, apparently they have if a, you have a the card, second you cl- limit. Yeah, if you have the card, you clearly could get back in. So why not lock again? I don't. And, and the cameras can see you walk away. I mean, I mean why, even why without, they yeah, even without that. Even without that, I feel like you still could do it. So that was a little bit of a head scratcher. And I was like, hmm, I'm not sure that experience is going to be great if I'm always using my smartphone to get in. And then every once in a while, I use the key card for some reason. And then I have to remember to use a key card again to lock the doors in a behavior I'm not used to doing. So that might cause some problems. Um, (laughs) So then on the smartphone, we were were correct. I'm just going to say it. We were right that the smartphone behaves the way we 
tried to describe it to people and not to freak out. So uh, one of the things I had said on one of the preview shows that I was I was wrong about was that, oh, well, this is going to be really big security problem potentially for your my Tesla account because now you need to make sure that password's really strong because if I got your phone mic and I typed in my account, I would be able to get into my Tesla, which also means that if anyone else had my password, they could potentially get into my car because they could activate this key feature on their phone. That was partially correct. You need to do that, but you also need to be in possession of your, your RFID card. So the flow is you sign in on your phone, and then when you're near your car, you can say start the pairing process, and then you have to go and tap the car with your RFID card to validate that you actually control this vehicle and you're starting to set it up at the same time. So it's sort of like a two-factor thing with Mm -hmm. your card. And then it will allow your phone to unlock it. So you have to validate that you actually are near the car because you are in Bluetooth range and that you have the RFID card to actually prove that you can unlock and lock the card before it will grant a key towards your smartphone. Okay. And that's... that you're signed in with your with your account too, right? And that you're signed in with your account, So it's right. not like if you give your RFID card to a valet, like they're not going to be able to pair their phone to it because they won't have your... Right, yeah. You need to be phone. signed into the car's uh, My Tesla account that is registered with that VIN number, right? Okay. So that seems pretty solid um, from a you know, authentication point of view, assuming all the protocols are secure. But from like a interface flow, that seems pretty good. Um, and apparently you can connect it to up to three devices. So I'm not sure why they pick three. Um, <laughs> I could imagine a family, like when I was growing up, we had two or three drivers plus our parents. So like that seems a little strange to only allow three cards, but... Yeah, they trying to avoid some sort of like fleet usage or something. Possibly, yeah. I think it might just be to try and prevent people from using weird. it that way. But again, if you just pass a physical card around, like you can't stop people from doing that. So, um, and also because the app just came out, that's why we were seeing so many of these photos with employees using the key card because the app wasn't ready. Uh, um, and so now it's out there and people, uh, we actually had a little, uh, birdie, uh, contact us who has a model three, um, and say that they just started using the app and it was working really well for unlocking and locking. And that even though it potentially could turn on the vehicle 30 feet away because of Bluetooth, it seems to actually try and attenuate it to be a little bit closer. Um, because obviously you can detect the signal strength. So it seems as if it it won't necessarily unlock when you're 30 feet away from your car, which in some circumstances could be like when you're in your house. Yeah, um, like our garage is right below our, our first floor. So, yeah, that would that would be on all the time. Yeah. And I think even for me, if I were to go out on my patio, uh, I potentially would would unlock. So I think certainly you want to make that in a much tighter radius. Uh, and apparently it unlocks all the doors. Um when you when you get close so um and the app itself you can manually um lock or unlock it um you can also from the app see the charging status get alerts about that heat or cool the car locate the car track it on a map flash the lights honk the horn start the car uh, summon it if you have uh, the convenience autopilot see if an alarm is going off and um wait the model three the the model three does summon autopilot if you have autopilot yeah oh okay and now you can also open the front trunk and the rear trunk from the app um, because the Model S app didn't have that because you had the key fob. Um, so 
the trunk also is openable. We'll get to that. But um, one other thing I noticed from the document, which was a little strange, is that if you're using the key card from, sorry, using your app, uh, your phone, if two phones are approaching, so you and your spouse or you and your significant other, it doesn't take precedence. For, there's no way to set precedence for which one will activate it and unlock it, which also tells me that it doesn't know which profile it should set. Does it so, have it in both like B pillars? Like, can it detect who's walking towards which door? Well, yeah, it's, it didn't. Yeah, it said there was no precedence for which phone it was going to choose or no preference. So, hmm. whichever iPhone or smartphone Bluetooth low energy activates it, it will unlock, which is fine, but. It doesn't tell you or you can't say who you want to be the one whose profile it uses um, if two are approaching. So that's a little strange because I think the key fobs try and um, you can assign like a profile to each key fob now. So you can have one for you and one for your wife or whatever and uh, allow it to choose that when you're actually both approaching. So I wonder if that's something where they haven't gotten to it yet or if they just can't get it to work in a reliable and good way yeah i uh, i don't know i know the model x's do have a bluetooth style key fob so as we'll get to it seems like there's a lot of software still being worked on um (laughs) with the model 3 so the walk up to unlock the walk to away lock the child protection locks and the lock unlock on park all those features are apparently in the model 3 right now um and working so that's good to know um so, yeah, I, as I expected, the, they're telling you the primary should be your phone. You don't have to take it out. You don't have to do anything. You just get close to the open. So I'm still excited for that. Nothing from this really concerns me except for um, the fact that it is not NFC for the backup card, which means I can't use any of my other smart devices to eventually sort of simulate those to have multiple backups. But the RFID is fine and I'll just keep it in my wallet and they encourage you to keep both just in case your phone gets stolen or lost or broken, <laughs> runs out of battery. So belt and suspenders. Yeah. It's, it's a double, it's a double, uh, double safety system that they, they want you to have. So, um, but, but someone who is using it said they really liked it and thought it was kind of amazing. So I'm, I'm still looking forward to it, but just wanted to share some more details uh, since we have those. So I feel like we're pretty good on how the keys work until we actually firsthand get to use them. But I think we have as much info as we're going to get until we can personally use them. So from the rest of the software, um, a lot to cover here. So one, that same person also shared with us that the firmware they're running on their Model 3 is a slightly ahead of the publicly available software for SNX. Um, So this sort of is illustrative to me that the software team is probably working pretty hard right now on getting (laughs) bugs fixed, features added, and the things they promised for Model 3 done. And that a lot of the Model S and X features are probably on hold until Model 3 can really get to where it needs to go. Um, and they are furiously pushing new software updates to get Model 3 to where it needs to go because we, we know a few people who, who have Model 3s and they all actually are on different versions of the software. So uh, they clearly have enough different versions that they haven't pushed all of them out yet to everyone. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got to roll out gradually. Yeah. So one of the interesting ones was that the mirrors do also auto un- auto fold um when locked which i always like as a feature both from the 
sleekness of the car being a little shorter and like less wide so people are less likely to hit it um when cruising by in <laughs> your parallel park spot um, and also if you are parked uh, in a regular parking spot just less likely to get dinged and also it's a nice signal that the car is locked because you can see the mirror is closing when you're leaving your vehicle um, you may not be able to see the lights flash um, so I thought that was good to know and that that's already implemented and working. Um, one of the other things on the HVAC system, so the heating and cooling and AC, um, one of the people, a separate person we know who has the Model 3 has told us that it, they think it is, quote, amazing, it's intuitive and effective. So this is the new system with the louvers um, and the dual panes of air that intersect. Uh, we got a patent application about this as well, um, <laughs> about how it works. So yeah, it has two, two planes of air that are hitting each other, um, which depending on the velocity of those two pieces of air, uh, in will sort of decide how high or low the air will be in the cabin. And then there's louvers to manipulate it left and right. Um, so Apparently, it is working pretty well for folks, um, and it has the dual zone, as, as we sort of were expecting, um, the ability to sync the temperatures between left and right zone, um, and then also the back air vents can be turned on and off versus the, well, with the UI in the front, so you can stop air from going, going to your rear passengers if you so choose. Right. And then the, the vents in the back are, are regular kind of standard automobile yep. manual louvers. Yes, exactly. So they don't get a super cool UI for that. Um, the splitting to... thing was interesting too in, in the video, the the disappearing video, um, where you can like kind of split the the little toggle and and move them in separate directions. That was kind of yeah. I'm really curious to see what that feels like because I can imagine one the, the where they're together. It's sort of a point of air, so it's sort of like pointing both vents at you at one, from one side. But then when you split it, I'm curious if it feels like two separate streams of air, like very point air or if it feels just like uh like a whole bar of air I'm just yeah, really i just don't know that i've ever had that much desire to control the actual airflow all that much it's usually like just more or less and yeah i don't i don't know it seems, it seems a little over-engineered um maybe i don't know we'll see we'll but see it's, yeah. neat. it's certainly neat i i definitely know that uh so my girlfriend and I have very different preferences for air. Uh, yeah, the dual driving. zones is definitely something where no, but when, that makes sense. But when she drives, she'll touch the vents and change the vents. And when I drive, I touch and change the vents. So with this, it will be uh, hopefully attached to my profile. So I won't have to touch and change the vents anymore. So oh, that would be nice. Yeah. From that point of view, I think that's nice that it's actually in software. Yeah. Um, yeah, my wife is, is usually like pushes all of the ac away from her so like whenever i get in the car which is pretty rare i'll be driving for a while and i realize i'm sweating i'm like why is i'm sweating i've got the ac on and i realize that's because all the vents are like you know shut off or pointed there away you go yeah that won't be a problem yeah so i i that's think real. that being software could be quite quite good um and then also by having this really large surface area one thing i noticed because yeah my girlfriend sometimes closes events it creates this huge amount of air coming out of one vent <laughs> and creates a very loud noise as well so by having it more diffuse i think that the air sound even at higher vo higher velocities might be less noisy uh, and i tend to run the air as low as possible just because the noise is annoying yeah well versus we'll as high as possible to get it as cold as quickly as possible um one of the other things we found out through some of these videos that I found kind of intriguing was that the left uh, steering wheel control button is for volume by default. 
And then you can, so if you scroll it up and down, that's volume, even though it's sort of a software button because it, it handles a lot of other features like telescoping the windshield, uh, the, uh, the steering wheel and also adjusting the left mirror. But also if you click it left or right, it will adjust the tracks by default. Um, so I was just driving a brand new uh, Mercedes because we had to take our car in for a service and it had it had like a separate volume switch and a separate left and right and a menu and had like six little soft, six little buttons in the left-hand side. And it, I had to look at the steering wheel every time I used it. Now I wasn't <laughs> familiar with it yet, but they were all felt the same, kind of like the Apple TV remote. So um, I'm kind of excited that the, you know, the UI here is quite simple. Like the actual mechanical UI is simple and it's going to be based on, what you're doing so oh you're 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 in favor more of a modal interface yeah i am actually because i think that by default like adjusting the volume makes sense but if i'm adjusting my uh i'm not adjusting my steering wheel very often so when i'm actually doing that i'm doing that deliberately and i'm fine with that being overwritten to just use that same uh you know scroll wheel instead of a separate physical button that I almost never use. Yeah. You know, so obviously that's why so many cars have so many buttons is they need to do these functions, but you do them very rarely. Um, so I think the, it's fine to overwrite them when you're deliberately going into them. The problem is when you're like trying to switch through them when you're driving, that might be more interesting to see how that works out. But so you far, you should be adjusting I'm, your steering wheel while you're driving. Anyways. Right. Exactly. You shouldn't really be doing that. Um, one of the other things, so some of the things we found out are not working yet, which is a bigger theme, which I want to talk about. So apparently <laughs> Wi-Fi is not working yet at all. So everything in the Model 3 today is running on LTE. It does have Wi-Fi, but it's not working. Uh, apparently the FM radio is not working yet. Hold on. When you say Wi-Fi, you mean like distributing the LTE signal to the occupants through Wi-Fi or no, like the car connecting actually can to, yeah, connecting to a Wi-Fi network for downloading updates and for, okay. So like when you're in your garage parking yeah. and, and connecting to your home Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Right. Which the SNX do, how they upload data and how they download updates primarily if you have access. So, okay. So we can consume that they're really, Tesla is getting no information from the Model 3s right now, then, or at least no like video information. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, you know, from a prioritization point of view, clearly having LTE is more important because you don't always have Wi Fi and you can't yeah. guarantee people are going to connect to Wi Fi. So, if you have to pick one, obviously you'd pick LTE uh, to do first. So sure. I'm not that concerned. It's just interesting data point that Wi-Fi <laughs> is not yet working. Um, yeah. You think that would be one that was working pretty quickly in a test model, right? Like you, Which also, yeah, right. And which also means that it can't be the exact same Wi-Fi system as in the SNX. Because yeah. if it were, it would be working, right? I wonder if it's just like the UI isn't like ready yet. But uh, there's almost, yeah, exactly. But there's, but even still, there's still a UI in the SNX to pick it. So yeah. um, it makes me think that potentially it's a different chipset and slightly different drivers and the UI has to be different. So they've just punted on doing it for now but right. not there yet um and also the fm radio isn't there yet which people are freaking out about and <laughs> i can't get my morning zoo can't get my morning zoo air horn <laughs> and now to chopper dave with the traffic um so no fm radio and apparently the vehicle you know from the spec sheet does say fm slash internet streaming radio so i take the slash to mean they're separate yeah. not fm internet streaming radio um and no so, am 
And no AM at all. No AM antennas or AM radio. And the Model X does not have AM. So really? this, shouldn't, this shouldn't be a revelation to people, but it's coming up because people are asking these owners who just got their Model 3s, tell me about your AM. And they're like, what are you talking about? There's no, no radio at all. Yeah, I mean, I never listened to AM radio, I guess, but it does seem like something where I've seen on highways or something where they'll say like construction zone tuned to AM 1610 or, or some crazy number. But how many times have you actually done that? Uh, yeah, not usually. It's usually just some recording that's playing on a yeah. loop. But I yeah. mean, for The Walking Dead, I guess it's important. But I know. What are we going to do? What's your bug out plan, man? Your prepper score is going to go down if you don't have an AM radio ready to go. You need a little crank radio to, to put in there, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 am, I am not really that concerned about this. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to AM radio. I feel like if... If my phone isn't working, I know there's something definitely wrong, and I don't need an emergency system to tell me that something's wrong if the entire cell phone network is down. True. And you can, you can get Art Bell Coast to Coast on, uh, on uh, FM now. Well, actually, yeah. I think Art Bell's dead, isn't he? Also, also, if there is something going on, I bet there's going to be a lot of traffic, and I can roll down my window and ask people what's going on. Oh, you have to talk to other humans? That's fine. I Not can do that every way. once in a while. If Waze isn't going to tell me, then I don't want to know. Um, also, uh, the phone pairing to Bluetooth works for phone calls, but not for media. So you cannot listen to music from your phone on your model three yet. So there's that not working yet. <laughs> okay. It works from USB though. So apparently there's a whole contingent of people who have a lot of music on USB sticks who plug them into their cars. Really? I am not, I am not one of those people. No, me neither. Um, I still listen to a fair amount of FM radio just because it's easier. And it's so funny because it's just like easier to just turn it on. And I think that's why a lot of people watch TV still, even though it's not what you want. It's just what's on. Well, with the automated radio stations nowadays, you might actually be listening to a USB stick that's just being broadcast yeah, over someone the FM else waves. Just, yeah. yeah, someone else just plugged it in. So I'm excited about like the streaming radio stuff that will come out with the Tesla. Uh, since well, I'll you can listen to, to the pick. Tesla show. Yeah, I'll be able to listen to the Tesla show and I'll also be able to listen to, you know, my Billy Joel and Elton John uh, whenever I want. A lot easier uh, as a default. Um, <laughs> we need to put together a Tesla show morning Zoom oh, commute podcast where we can just play some music and talk about Model 3s. That'd be funny. We should just do a whole like faux show in the in the spirit of a, of a zoo. <laughs> Get the little sound effects out in GarageBand. Um, <laughs> this sounds awesome, actually. So the... Also, there is no EQ yet. So if you want to pump up the bass in your Model 3, you cannot do that yet. Oh, um, I really do like to get my, my license plate rattling. I feel like that's very nice for all the people walking on the street uh, outside of my vehicle. Do you do this? Every time I get into a rental car, I, my, one of the first things I do is go into the EQ and fix it to be yes. more flat. Yes. Um, and it is because well, someone before you happened. has inevitably screwed it up. Yeah. The, the base is all the base and mids are always pumped to the highest level. And it's like, what do you, this sounds like mud. Yeah. Junk. Well, I almost always yet, have it makes to boost it difficult. The it makes it difficult to understand the directions. Cause that's usually what I'm doing is I'll, I'll like open up Google maps and put the directions on. And it's like, you know, the voice comes in and it's like, it's all bass and you can't hear it. Yeah. And, and these cars do not have good subwoofers and bass so it sounds like junk so uh well, maybe the, the cars you rent well okay i use silver car <laughs> the s oh the s i don't actually <laughs> yeah i wish i want to um the s and x do have a uh, eq so i would expect eq will come but it's not there yet um 
This is one that's a little interesting. Uh, the windshield wiper controls for running them permanently, like continuously, are in software. On the screen. Yeah, and they are slow and fast. And the, there's still the no, options are not the, the options are slow the, or the fast. UI itself is the same. Yeah, and there's only there's no automatic yet, and this is a big issue for folks who are on autopilot too because they don't have automatic sensing rain wiper, automatic rain sensing wipers yet. Um, autopilot one people do, autopilot two people do not. Wait, so it's sensing the rain through the autopilot camera? That is the plan, but it is not working yet. The autopilot one vehicles had an actual rain sensor. Yeah. That most cars have. Right. That That's like built in the past 10 years. Standard. Yeah. So autopilot two vehicles apparently do not have that sensor. And the plan has been to do it through the autopilot cameras, but that has not been <laughs> wow. built yet. That's like the most crazy over-engineered way to possibly detect rain. That's what it's, uh, that's what a lot of people are saying. And, <laughs> uh, and so it's unclear exactly what will happen with the Model 3. There's some people who think that it actually does have the sensor, but I am not 100% confident that it does. Hmm. Um, but yeah, auto sensing rain wipers are not there yet. So uh, there is a stock on the left-hand side where you can push it and it will uh, do one swipe of the wiper, but that's not a really great solution long-term to keep hitting that every time you need to. So then you need to reach over so until they have the auto i mean when auto works and it's not that big of a fuss that you potentially have to touch the screen every once in a while right so the ui is kind of telling us that they intend to have it be automatic and you don't have to worry about it and like right now it's just the fallback that you can use exactly so it's going to seem more dumb uh now without the auto because you'll be like well why why didn't they just put in the stock this is crazy <laughs> and i've seen a lot of people say that so yeah well i mean this you, is a generous interpretation we're, we're assuming yeah, we're giving we're giving them the benefit of the doubt that we've pulled they, out our jump to conclusions matt and we're, yeah. we're we're jumping into the nice quadrant yes for sure um one of the other little details is that the turn signals <laughs> do make a sound when you turn left or right, which I think that's required. So yeah, I'm not that sure why like people, were, issue. Yeah. people were freaking out about that. But um, the interesting thing is that the indication, because there's no binnacle, there's no like physical light button, like lights for the um, left or right turn signal or the uh, put on your seatbelt. Those are all soft in the touchscreen. So they actually display up where the drive or park signal is. So this is the first time we started seeing images with those in there and um, look kind of interesting. I mean, they're very high resolution versions of those symbols. Um, (laughs) So you can see like, oh, I've got the left turn signal on or I need to put on my seatbelt. So um, all those little like unilluminated parts of your UI now are now in software in pixels, so you don't have to worry about them. So that's kind of nice. I think um, it's interesting that they made the turn signal indicators like part of the UI as opposed to just some sort of overlay. You could imagine just putting those in the top right and left corners as like a overlay that's above all the other screens. Right, like a little modal thing. Yeah, yeah, and just completely leave the rest of the screen alone and not have to fit it into a UI. That's That's an interesting decision. Yeah, I think maybe it'll be for when the system itself starts indi- doing those indications, it wants to have them there for you to let you see it. But hmm. again, um, the UI and the screen gets to take on so many of these controls and little indicators. Um, 
One that was kind of relevant, I guess, to our discussion of the leaf. Currently, there's no energy consumption graphs or um, like during or per trip. Um, the Model S and X have some really good graphs for that. Uh, the Model 3 does not have those right now. And also, no web browser. Um, <laughs> Again, that's a feature, not a bug, but in, yeah, in my I humble think- opinion. I agree. I think for I think the biggest case I've heard for folks is that they're using it for uh, alternative route planners for their road trips. Um, it's a giant security hole. Get it off of your car. Yeah, it's pretty everything risky. is broken. People, everything with web browsers is bad. Yes, not. I would for the safety of the vehicle. I'd prefer there not be a web browser. And I yes. think that has been the biggest vector for attacks. Of course. Um, so of course it is. Get it off of there. Just use your phone. Just use your phone. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot of things that are not yet working with the software. And I think this is one reason why Tesla has been trying to keep reviews and people quiet. Because there was also an issue where apparently 12-volt battery was getting drained really quickly if you weren't keeping the car charged. That's apparently been fixed in a software update. Um, the app clearly wasn't working, so you had to use the key card instead of your phone, which was a pretty big selling feature uh, for why this was nicer without a key fob. Um, You know, all these other little features. All the things that we kind of expected as to why they're rolling it out to like employees and trusted people first, right? Right, exactly. So I think for for folks who were like, well, if it's not ready, don't, it's not ready. But even on the earnings call, Tesla had said, we have some time to fix things with software and keep adding more features with software. And I think the the less charitable case would be, well, your specs said your car would have all these features, and when you sold it to a customer, it didn't have those features, so you made a mistake. And the more charitable case is, well, they had X amount of time to devote to the software, and they dedicated all that time to other parts of the software, and now they have X plus two or three months to use to apply more software until they get to actual customers who are not employees and those people will possibly be even less charitable so (laughs) we're going to use those three months to do everything that we didn't have time to do so i think that's a more likely scenario yeah exactly it's just prioritizing and i certainly understand how given a, a large set of features you're gonna have some at the bottom of the list or prioritize towards later when you have uh different priorities to get done like Clearly, battery optimization software for the firmware, for the motor controls, for the general screen, for maps, those probably came first. And Wi-Fi comes a little later, and the key, the new key system comes later. So I'm not particularly concerned by this. It's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was concerned about anything, it would be that they're talking about, you know, or we're talking about all of these sort of UI and control um sort of user control systems that need to be updated and not talking at all about all of the sort of mountain of work that they need to do to get autopilot working and up to where they want it to be and caught up to where it used to be um and i mean coming from the software world i can say that's probably a completely different team and has nothing to do with the with the ui but um yeah it's it's i guess there's just a lot of software that needs to be worked on yeah, I agree. I tend to believe that the teams that are working on the lock Ewing, the locking UI and the Wi-Fi drivers are not the same people that are working on autopilot. So I would certainly hope not. But 
I mean, not, I hope, not I that hope. they couldn't do it, but you know, yeah. you probably want people who are more a little scoped into just that, that realm of expertise. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then the last big thing was the trunk. Um, I am not particularly concerned about the trunk, but in the effort of, I understand that a lot of people are concerned about the trunk. <laughs> there have been more photos of the trunk and the thing that I was kind of impressed by was some of these photos showed the uh, the rear seats folded down and showed the entire trunk opening through there. And this is one of the most folded flat seats I've seen. Yeah, much better than the Bolt. The Bolt was had a very different like cliff going on yeah. there. Yeah. And so, yeah, when, when car companies say their rear seats fold flat, it is sort of air quotes in my mind. Um, well, the seats fold flat. It's just not necessarily on the same plane as the... <laughs> the trunk. Yeah, I guess what does folding flat mean? I would expect flat to be 180 degrees, just yeah. the same. It's not you know, parallel to the ground. It's not coplanar, but it's flat. Yeah. So um, it it looks quite the aperture of the trunk looks quite large because um, it goes up really high. Um, yeah. That that's the thing is that it's not just sort of a 2D opening in the rear that actually has quite a bit of Z uh, aperture, which seems to be quite useful. It almost it. It, yeah. it is more hatchbacky than just a regular trunk. Well, I don't know if I got that far, but it seems like you you can certainly fit your flat pack IP, IKEA furniture in there. But I don't know if you're going to be getting any like you know actual assembled furniture in there. Yeah, and one of the other little details in one of the photos you can notice is that there's some um, like mesh between the top of the roof of the trunk and oh, is that the what actual that is? space. Yeah, and apparently it's just for air transfer. Yeah. To keep the trunk more temperately, the same same temperature. And um, let some base through probably as well. Yeah. And so I'm, I do want to try camping in my Model 3. So I'm quite <laughs> would excited. That be, would that be glamping at that point? Or? I think so. I mean, that's a pretty expensive tent. So you want to basically turn your Model 3 into a Pontiac Aztec? Yes. Yes. Like a survivor. Oh man. I can't wait to see that, that YouTube video or I guess we'll do a special video episode of the Tesla show for that. That'll be funny. Um, <laughs> but I am very, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think, oh, I guess there's some, I don't know, what would you call them? Uh, conspiracy theories. There, there's some videos that people have taken. And there's one in particular of one of the Model 3s that have been delivered in Texas. And it's been taken down. Uh, and then it came up again by on another channel today and then it got taken down. It was a, a SpaceX employee, right? In Austin. I think so. Yeah. And so there is this particular video that get, keeps getting taken down and there's nothing particularly damning in it. It's just sort of a walkthrough of delivery. Yeah. At, the car's uh, not even moving. It's just the, it's getting the, the walkthrough from the Tesla associate, like right. kind of walking them through how to use things. So you got some good video of the UI and everything. And so it was, it was useful to take some screenshots in preparation for the show and whatnot, but it keeps disappearing and it's possible there's some music they're playing and that, uh, the video service is copyright infringement, fingerprinting it, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure. So some of the conspiracy theorists are saying that Tesla is taking it down. So I don't know. We're not sure. Um, but I can say that this one particular video is having a hard time staying up on YouTube. <laughs> All right. Well, there's some others going on. There's, there's another fellow here uh, in the Bay Area who has one. Um, and then uh, there was another one in Fremont where a detailer 
uh, got the car in and did a little video. So mm -hmm. I expect in the next couple of weeks, I mean, we should be going from a few hundred to a few thousand in the next couple of weeks if Tesla's on, on yeah, schedule. So, I mean, you walked by a couple near your apartment, didn't you? Or at least yeah, one. Yeah, there's like two now in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So um, another one popped up this week. And uh, Tesla wanted to produce over 1,500 in September. And uh, we, we've got one more week in September. So I think it's about to start getting very Model 3 heavy. So clock is ticking. A lot more. Yeah. It is. All right. Well, if you are planning on buying the other vehicles that Tesla makes, the Model S or X, <laughs> uh, you should use the Tesla Geeks uh, referral code. Uh, they're friends of the show. They've helped us get into some of the Tesla events. So they help us bring great content to all of you who are listening. And um, so you can uh, find that in the show notes and on the website as well. Uh, you get $1,000 off your S or X purchase, and you also get free unlimited supercharging for life with that as well. So with that, Mike, where can people talk to us if they are curious to share their thoughts? Yeah, if you uh, have any intel on why videos are being taken down or any thoughts about the Model 3 or the uh, range anxiety-inducing Nissan Leaf, you can uh, tweet at us on Twitter at The Tesla Show. Uh, we have a website, theteslashow.com, and we are also on Reddit uh, at r slash the Tesla show. All and right. That's all well, I had. That's all we have. <laughs> all and right. We will, we will talk to you again next week. Bye. All right. Bye.